What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Monday, April 25th, 2022. It is draft week, and today on the show, we're going to be looking at each draft pick made by general manager Chris Greer and choosing a word to describe each of them. Let's go. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I want to also thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today on the show is kind of a fun blend between what is topically happening this week with the NFL Draft, and the current state of the Miami Dolphins and the roster that's already in place. Because obviously, I've seen this on the timeline a lot. There's a lot of Dolphins fans with the sentiment that I'm more excited for the schedule release than the draft this year. And I get it. And as somebody who's a draft nick, I'll be honest, that's been hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. You guys put me in a tough spot. Chris Greer put me in a tough spot trading all his draft picks away. But I understand it, and I get it. So I thought this would be a nice way for us to marry those two things, uh, especially because uh, we are in a little bit of a different regime. So for some of these guys, the goalposts are going to have moved as far as what the expectation is, what their fit is with this team. And that's the hard part about building a team and and tackling attrition with your coaching staff, your management, is when you make scheme changes, when you make coaching changes, inevitably you get square pegs and round holes. And that does not make the player necessarily bust, but it makes him no longer a fit for you. But before we get there, we have to talk about what we're not going to talk about on the show today. And that is... Of course, uh, we are not going to be engaging in the Tom Brady Miami Dolphins hoopla that pro football talk just refuses to let go. And with whatever iotums of truth exist, and I don't think iotums is a word, if I'm being completely honest, um... Whatever little bits of, of that theory and, and may be true, right? The Sean Payton potentially is the, if you missed it, uh, Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk came out and said the Dolphins were going to offer a two to Tampa Bay for Tom Brady and a one for Sean Payton. It's like, first of all, it's not, it, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen. Sean Payton's not going to coach this year and Tom Brady's going to play quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I suppose at the end of the day, I'm giving Pro Football Talk exactly what they want because I'm saying their name on my show. But the timeline, and I'm not talking about it for them. I'm talking about it for us because this fan base on social 
I was like, a war zone. And there's thoughts on all, every side of the coin, and that's with everything in life, right? So I, I understand that, that people are going to have different reactions to that, but um, here's what we do know. The Dolphins are making a concerted effort to surround their young quarterback with infrastructure around him that supports him and complements him. And yes, there is questions about what the ceiling is of that quarterback. And that is what the Dolphins are going to try to find out. And they have, this season, they're committed to it. And then we can go from there as a fan base and and allow ourselves to collect another 17-game sample size of the Miami Dolphins and their existence and see how many of those games Tua plays in and how well he plays in them. And then maybe we can talk about Tom Brady. But, like, it's April 25th. Tom Brady unretired a month ago. Sean Payton retired three months ago. Like, the fact that this is still a thing is crazy to me. But especially in an NFL draft where, like, we just saw the Vegas odds change for the number one pick this morning. Trayvon Walker is now the betting odds favorites in some places that you look. After Aiden Hutchinson's bit, like, this year's draft is wide open, and it's, it's interesting from a draft perspective. It might not be interesting from a Dolphins perspective, but, like, are the Dolphins really that big of a lightning rod fan base that you got to keep coming back to the well there and keep stick? Or, like, why? I don't understand. But what I do understand is this. Um... We won't be feeding into that circus any longer. But I did want to acknowledge it, understand its existence. I know there's some Dolphins fans that are probably interested in my opinions on it. Uh, Right now, I think it doesn't matter because it it didn't happen, and it's not going to happen this year. Let's get through the year. And in a perfect world, Tua Tungvalu blows out the Dolphins, uh, blows out the water, the Dolphins win the Super Bowl, and we never have to have this conversation again. That's a perfect world. We haven't had a perfect world in a long time. Since 1972-73. But, um, yeah. Let's move on, shall we? Let's move on. So, I want to start with the 2019 class. We obviously have three draft classes that exist with Chris Greer as the unquestioned leader in the clubhouse. You can go back to 2016 and include that 2016 class with Tunsil, Howard, Drake, and Jakeem Grant, who was a sixth-round pick, was a huge hit. Um, And you could give him credit for that. You could give him credit for the disaster that was 2017 with Harris, McMillan, Tankersley, Isiata, Godshall, Vincent Taylor, Isaiah Ford. And you could also give him credit for 2018, which was good and would have been even better if the first-round pick didn't force his way off the roster with Fitzpatrick, Gusecki, Baker, Smythe, and Jason Sanders. At the end of the day, Chris Greer's resume will have them down. He was the formal GM of the team. But for the sake of this exercise and for the sake of clarity, we know Chris Greer was the general manager, and we know he was shopping for groceries for Brian Flores. Right, So, A.K.A. Brian Flores had a lot to do with a lot of these picks. 
But this power structure with the Dolphins has existed since 2019, and that's where it feels most appropriate for me to take a look at. And it's it's kind of like just word association. We're, we're going to dive in with um, the first thing that comes to our mind when I read each name from each of these three draft classes that exist with uh, Chris Greer as the unquestioned leader in the power structure of the Miami Dolphins. But before we do, I've got to tell you guys about our next partner. As a product I literally use every day. I'm on the road right now, so obviously there's no YouTube channel uh, video today because I am traveling. It's West Coast time and it's 4 a.m. Uh, time change is weird, but that, that makes AG1 even more important, right? So what is AG1? I'm glad you asked. It's from our friends over at Athletic Greens. With one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, aptogens, it helps start your day, right? This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, aging, all of those things. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and a five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So word association game, Miami Dolphins draft picks under Chris Greer. Giddy up. 2019 first round draft selection, Christian Wilkins. Word that comes to mind, stud. Uh, Wilkins in year three was an absolute stud. The Dolphins should be thrilled. Uh, They got a three-year starter with that pick. He's been on the roster three years. He's been the primary starter every year. Uh, 47 games played. uh, Scored two touchdowns offensively. That's not a bad bonus, right? Two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. Uh, But you can't tell the story of Wilkins without talking about the jump that was made from year two to year three. And that's what really gets exciting uh, when you continue to project him forward. And obviously we've talked about how I personally would would start angling for that fifth year contract, uh, that contract extension sooner rather than later. But um, Christian Wilkins is a stud. And it might take a little while for his development to get to where it needed to be. Uh, But Miami should be very, very happy with that draft selection. Third round draft selection in 2019, Michael Dieter. And I think the word I would use here is intriguing. Um, Dieter looked good in flashes last year, playing a new position after redshirting his second season, after being forced into playing his first season. And I really do think his athletic profile projects as somebody who can have success in this system. The unfortunate thing is he didn't get a full sample size and body of work, and therefore it is a bit of a projection, and then we have the uneasiness of, well, if we stay fully committed to Michael Dieter, and he's not the player that we think he's capable of being this year, then we're kind of screwed in the middle. So I understand why that um, there's not going to be a long-term commitment there, but, but I think intriguing is probably the word that I would use. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle in the fifth round of 2019, 151 overall. And I would describe him as a gem uh, relative to expectations through the NFL draft. 
Dieter or Van Ginkle is someone who I certainly missed on. I had him as a seventh round valuation as a prospect. He was very raw, a little undersized, um, but his athletic profile has really allowed him to take on a, a role for this team. And it was originally on special teams, and then he becomes a sub-package pass rusher, and he's kind of grown into a bigger, more prominent role. And as he's grown with his role, I think you, you recognize and you understand uh, that there's more to tap into if he continues to progress. And fifth-round picks, like the, you sh- the he's already outlived your standard fifth-round draft selection. I th- and we'll get great reinforcement of that as we continue through the next couple of, of draft classes. But uh, I would consider Van Ginkle to be a fifth-round gem for the Dolphins just because um, he's projecting as somebody who could possibly be a starter. And even if he's not, he's got a very clear and defined role to continue to contribute and be an impact player on the team. Uh, Isaiah Prince, sixth round, 202 overall offensive tackle. Um, No harm, no foul. Uh, I thought Prince was a developmental tackle. He was a developmental tackle. I don't believe he ever played a snap for the Dolphins. He ended up going to Cincinnati and was a starter on the line, but the line was bad. So, um, you bet on traits, but but at the end of the day, Prince was interesting because he was long, but he wasn't super athletic, so he wasn't necessarily traitsy either. And um, certainly thought from a development standpoint, he had a long way to go. But you're not, you're not fine. That that's what tackles are late on day three, and that's why you draft them there. They have the uncoachables, right? I mean, the length was uncoachable, and he'll always have a chance to play in the NFL because of his size and length. Chandler Cox, fullback. 233 overall. Um, Victim of scheme change, I think is what I would say. Chandler Cox, he played on the the team as a rookie. Uh, And then the team brought in Chan Gailey. And magically, you don't need a fullback anymore. So uh, Chandler Cox being cut as a result of that is an embodiment of the uh, system attrition when you make coaching changes. And then Miles Gaskin. 234 overall. If I had to pick something to describe Miles, it would probably be embodiment of devaluation of running backs. And I know that's not a word, and that's not even two words, or that's three words, right? Like, I I just cheated with the whole word association thing. But this is why teams are more than content to swing late on backs, because a guy like Miles, and yes, he's got a replacement-level skill set as far as an NFL running back goes, but he's smart, he catches the ball, he'll get you the yards that are there. Um, I, I do think his, he's manifested what some of the questions were with him as far as a lack of explosiveness paired with a lack of size and vision that's not great. And that has pushed Miami to want to get better. But they got reasonable levels of production from Miles Gaskin as a running back over the last three years. I mean, go, go look at his, just, just the raw production that he's had, right? Over the last two seasons, and this year was horrendous from a yards per touch standpoint, but that says just as much about the Dolphins' inability to create up front as it does anything else. From a pure yards from scrimmage perspective, Miles Gaskin the last two years 
has produced over 1,800 yards from scrimmage and 12 touchdowns. I'm not saying that he's a good starting running back in the NFL, but they got that at they got 2,000 yards, nearly 2,000 yards from scrimmage with the 234th overall pick in the NFL draft. And that's why teams always come back to the well late for their running backs. Uh, we're switching to 2020, and we're going to start with Tua Tungvaloa. And the word that I will use is polarizing. 23 games, 4,400 yards, 27 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 6 touchdowns on the ground, uh, high completion percentage, low yards per attempt. We're getting ready to find out how much of that is due to the handcuffs around him and how much of that is Tua's own limitations. But you can't do a word association with Tua Tungvalo and the Dolphins fan base and not pick polarizing. Uh, Austin Jackson. Number 18 overall. I'd still pick Toolsy. I don't know that it's going to help you because, you know, at some point you got to manifest and you, you got to realize your potential. We're entering into year three. Obviously, the scheme change is, is one that uh, I think will help Austin. Uh, when you, you don't put him in a situation in which teams are constantly throwing, for lack of a better phrase, shit in your face and just crossing guys up and teeing off on you with pass rushes and so on and so forth, uh, I think the ability to consistently and safely front run the football will help. Will it solve the problem? I don't know. And I'm kind of at the point where I think the sample size is big enough. He's a two-year starter over the last two years that um, I, I think we've seen enough to know that there's always going to be hardship here. Um, being that he has been a primary starter for each of the last two years. Noig Benogany, 30th overall. Uh, this is point blank, period, flat out a miss. There's no questions asked. Uh, this was certainly somebody who was not drafted to be a gunner in the back half of the year because your waiver wire ad Elijah Campbell gets hurt and misses time. And that's what Noah Benagni was. If you look at every, every pick the Dolphins have made over 2019 to 2021, and you can extend it back to 2016 to 2021, every pick of the Chris Greer era. Right now, the Igbenogany pick looks like the worst one. Maybe there's a jump that's waiting to come. Maybe you get him out from behind... Byron Jones and Xavier Howard here in year three, and he's a different player. I don't think that's the case. Um, it's certainly a killer for you that he can't move inside and, and play nickel. But the team is pretty resided to just trying to figure out a way to make it work. Maybe, maybe a change in coaching will prompt that out of him. Who knows? But right now, that is the worst pick we are going to cover here. Uh, Robert Hunt, 39th overall 2020. Beastly, I think is the word that I would describe. Uh, Robert Hunt's played tackle, he's played guard, both on the right side of the line. Uh, he's given you good stretches of play at both positions. He moves the point of attack. He's physical in pass protection. 
Uh, the Dolphins, as far as I'm concerned, like should consider themselves good at one guard spot as long as Robert Hunt is on the roster. He is a viable, quality starting offensive lineman. That's a hit. That's a win. We need a win, right? We had the question mark with Michael Dieter. Uh, we, we just talked about potential with Austin Jackson. We're still going to talk about Liam Eikenberg. Um, We've got to talk about Solomon Kinley, who I don't think is going to be on the roster this year, and we'll talk about why in just a minute. Like, you you had to have a hit, right? Law of averages says it's impossible that you're going to go O for the entire way, and they didn't. They got Robert Hunt. Uh, I would say this. Robert Hunt is probably the best pick of this 2020 class relative to the, the value that they're going to bring because Raekwon Davis is next at 56, and Raekwon Davis as a nose tackle might be better than Robert Hunt at their respective jobs, but Robert Hunt does have the advantage of being on the field every play on offense as compared to Raekwon Davis being a nose tackle who's playing about 50% of the snaps. I'll tell you exactly how many snaps he played. Raekwon Davis uh, has played 52% of the snaps for the defense in 2020 and 47% of the snaps on the defense in 2021, and that was after missing uh, some significant time early in the season with a knee injury. Raekwon Davis is a brick wall. <laughs> and that's my word association for Raekwon. This is another big hit. Uh, for the Dolphins to have that turnaround for as frustrating as the first round was, for the potential that exists and the questions that exist and the missed opportunity that we can all point to with some of those picks, to get Robert Hunt and Raekwon Davis to bounce back in the second round is a huge win for this draft class because you're, you still have a number of quality contributors and quality starters. And I think Brandon Jones is going to work his way into that group as well. Brandon Jones, 70th overall. Um, frantic, I think, would be the word I would choose to describe Brandon Jones uh, because he plays frantic. I love his demeanor. I love his effort level. I love the range that he showcases. He's just not a back-end range player. He does need to get better in pass coverage. We knew that. That was the case of Texas. You can go back and read the report. But Brandon Jones brings you plenty of value in this style of defense as a robber, a rat, somebody who's mugged up in gaps and dropping to try and take away hot throws, uh, somebody who can play on the second level, can fit the run, can tackle well, can blitz, we should be very happy with Brandon Jones, and I'm interested to see how his role continues to grow and evolve. I'm also happy to see how my waistline grows and evolves as I eat more Built Bars. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And right now, you can visit Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is built.com. Promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Solomon Kinley. Uh, I am going to use the phrase lost cause. And it's for very little that Solomon Kinley did. Obviously, Brian Flores um, seemed to... Have Solomon Kinley in, or Brian Flores had Solomon Kinley in his doghouse for quite some time, right? And a lot of that was due to making weight and so on and so forth. And but Kinley's a big guy. He was a big guy at Georgia. Like he's always been a big guy. And for all the power and punch that he provided at the point of attack, that wasn't enough to get him on the field. Well, now you're running wide zone. 
And I could tell you what Solomon Kinley's not a fit for, a wide zone offense. So he's probably going to find himself somewhere else this, this year. And I, I will wish him the absolute best of luck in that. I'm excited to see what his opportunities in the NFL are going to afford him. I just don't know that they're going to come with the Dolphins. Uh, Jason Strobridge in the fifth round. Uh, I think you could probably classify this as a potential pick. Uh, he's played 55 snaps on defense. He did not play at all last year. Um, would you have liked to have gotten somebody to contribute? But to, you took two pass rushes in the fifth round. You've got Jason Strobridge and, and Curtis Weaver. Um, if I, let me quantify them both. I'd quantify them both right now as, as day three uh, swings and misses. You swing for the fences, right? Like you're, you're trying to draft guys who you think. Curtis Weaver fell because of some medical stuff. He had kind of an, an odd build. Curtis Weaver ended up getting cut uh, in camp by the Dolphins his rookie year and was claimed off waivers by the Browns. Um, but for I don't, I'm not sure what happened with both of these picks, but they have both not manifested to be much of anything. It kind of felt like Miami was shopping for that hybrid front type player and um, was hoping maybe for some inside-outside rush flexibility for from these two guys who were productive players at in college, Weaver more so than Strobridge. Um, but these are day three whiffs. Um, I mean, they, they've combined played next to no football uh, in their entire careers. They've, they've played nine games combined. Blake Ferguson, safe is the word that I would choose to use. He's a long snapper. Of course he's going to play. You used a sixth-round pick on a long snapper. He's been here. He's been good. The snaps have been good. He's been sturdy. He's been reliable. Safe pick. It's like taking a, a specialist. Any specialist you draft, it's usually a safe pick. The Dolphins got that in Blake Ferguson. Uh, Malcolm Perry is the last pick in 2020, 246 overall. I still think he has potential. But I certainly think you didn't pick... Malcolm Perry expecting an ROI immediately, right? And Perry didn't make the team this past year, and he got claimed by the Patriots on waivers. And, but he was, a, he was a quarterback. So, yeah, this was always going to be like, what is he in year four? And unfortunately, it doesn't seem like the Dolphins are going to be able to see the rewards of that, despite like he was modestly productive in brief flashes as a rookie. Um He's somebody who I think can be a, a quality pro. This this is a good kind of roll of the dice on day three. It was just from a numbers perspective as they continue to try to build out the roster with guys who are ready to play now and revamp the receiving room in 2021, he didn't make the cut. Which leads us to the perfect transition to 2021. Jalen Waddell. Six, Jalen Phillips, 18, Javon Holland, 36. I'm going to bunch them all together uh, because the word association here is rock stars. This is a hell of a way to start a draft class, and we all know that. We all know that. But um, this draft class has the potential to, with steps forward from each respective player this offseason, propel the Dolphins to the, the heights and hopes and expectations that so many of us have for them. 
this Waddle rookie receptions record. Phillips franchise record for sacks as a rookie. Javon Holland was one of the best safeties in football last year. To get all of that in the first 36 picks, in my mind, it, it more than makes up for what that 2020 class looks like at the top. Because that 2020 class hurt a lot. And if Waddle, Phillips, and Holland aren't Waddle, Phillips, and Holland, I think the narrative's probably a little bit different about this three-year regime. Uh, but it's not different. And therefore, here we are, and now Chris Greer gets another year uh, when they were making organizational changes, and he delivers Teron Armstead, Tyreek Hill, and a very exciting offseason. Liam Eikenberg um, is a mystery to me. I don't know if he's going to win a starting job. If he doesn't, is he kept around as a swing tackle? Is he going to be a utility guy? Man, it would really hurt to use the 42 overall pick. I, I, at the very least, he's insured, He's Toronto Armstead insurance, right? And I think he, like Austin, will benefit from more of a run-heavy oriented because they were both better run blockers than pass protectors. And then they go into an offense that is very much oriented in passing the football. So he's insurance right now. Uh, he's if Austin Jackson busts in camp, insurance. He's if Teron Armstead gets hurt and misses a couple of games, insurance. That's expensive insurance because you traded up the draft him at 42 and you certainly expect him to be a starter and we're hoping long-term he can be a starter. But at the end of the day, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, right? And the needs of the many are getting this offensive line right. Speaking of mystery players, Hunter Long, uh, this was a Brian Flores pick, a million percent Boston College Eagle. He said so on the phone call with him. Um, but Hunter Long um, is a mystery man in this tight end room. I would imagine, like, Shaheen probably won't make the team this year. He's in a contract year. It's, it'd be cheap to move on. I would expect Hunter Long's going to step into that role at a minimum. And I expect him to be very good as an inline blocker for the Miami Dolphins. I thought he was the best inline blocker that Dolphins had on the team last year. You watch the actual reps. Just watch him physically frame blocks on the edge and compare it to Durham Smythe or compare it to Adam Shaheen, who's more of a red zone receiving threat, and that's it. Larnell Coleman and Jared Dokes, uh, mystery bag items. That's what I would classify them as. And that's going to bring us to the end of this exercise. I hope you enjoyed this walk through the Chris Greer unquestioned leader regime draft selections of the Miami Dolphins and some words that I would choose to immediately associate with each and every one of them. Make sure you come back. See me again soon going to be in Las Vegas starting this afternoon. I'm on the West Coast, but not in Vegas yet. For the 2022 NFL Draft, the Dolphins, they're going to make some picks. Might not be early, might not be super exciting or sexy, but we're going to be here and we'll help you through it every step of the way. Thanks for listening to Locked on Dolphins of Cow Crabs. Fins up. Make it a good one.